So Mitchell Berean in Mitchell, Nebraska called me, interviewed me, and Scott was the lead pastor there, and he and the leadership team there hired me as their youth pastor where I stayed for 10 years. But I'm going to tell you, if it wasn't, I'm not going to make it, Scott. If it wasn't for Scott and Diane, I wouldn't be here. I would have quit ministry. I would have given up. They brought healing to my life. They brought healing to Tanya's life. They poured into my kid's life. And uh, so I introduced Scott Mathis not only as our guest speaker, but as a dear brother who saved my life. Come on up. Also, Scott has a book. Horses and humans I have known. I'm a little offended I'm not one of the chapters. But, um, but, I'll, but I'll forgive him for that. But they're $20 and they're, they're signed. And there's some amazing things in here that God can use to encourage you and change your life as well. So grab a copy on your way out. Thank you, Scott. Yes, sir. Love you. Uh, all I remember is uh, understanding that Barry and Tanya were wounded, but they needed loved, and uh, we loved them, and our youth group went from like 12 or 15 kids to 275 kids, and uh, a movement of the, God, of the Spirit of God, and kids getting saved right and left, and it was amazing how uh, grace lived out in a local church setting allows people to be uh, able to use their gifts, and Barry has that gift, and Tanya, and so it was a privilege to partner with them, and one of the hardest things we ever had to do was tell Mitchell Breen we were leaving, but to tell Barry, and I remember Barry saying, like, you're like a dad to me, even though you're, I think I'm younger than you, uh, you're like a dad to me, and uh, uh, it was really hard, but the reality is, is a lot of things in life don't make sense. And a lot of things in life we wouldn't pick. And, 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 and authentic Christianity allows you and I in the nitty-gritty, everyday, hard of life to be able to overcome and live above circumstances. And that's what I love about being a Christ one is that, that it's not us out there just kind of swimming in our own DNA pool hoping things work out. But the reality is, is that you and I were created on purpose, for a purpose, by a loving God. And while there are a ton of mysteries about him and life, there is an ability to get to know him in a profound and personal way that, that helps us navigate the, the, the mystery and craziness of life. And I love that. I, 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 I used to not be a Christian, and I hated Christians, and I hated Christianity. But as I studied all these other belief systems and religions, the reality is, is I found that, that really only authentic Christianity allows you and I to have an understanding of both the here and now and a future um, that is going to be perfect. And that Christ, uh, in his uh, person and in his work, allows you and I to understand that he is sufficient for our every need. I just took a, a horse back this week, a horse, a, a beautiful black horse. 
I got him from my brother. He'd lawn darted my brother. If you're not a, from the cowboy culture, lawn darts means that he bucked my brother up so high and so ha uh, far, and then he lawn darted. Like, you know, you, the old lawn darts that you used to? He lawn darted my brother, and, and, and I, he was just going to send him to France in a can. And, and I said, nah, um, let me take him. I think I can get the buck out of him, and I'll make him into a pickup horse. And uh, at, at rodeos, you know, where you go in and get the guys off the bucking horse. And so uh, I, I got this black horse, and I've worked and rode, I've rode him and rode him and rode him. And he never would quit bucking. He, and his main problem was it wasn't a pain issue. It wasn't he has an area of his life where if you ask me to do something I don't want you to do, my reaction is to buck. And he never got me off, but he hurt me a couple weeks ago pretty bad. Uh, I bounced around on the saddle horn uh, in wonderful places. <laughs> and we finally decided we're going to send him to a, a, a bucking string because he won't quit bucking. His biggest problem was is he wasn't living in surrender to me. No matter what I tried, he always reserved the right I'm going to do my own thing if you ask me to do something I don't want to do. He never trusted me or anyone else. And I find that a lot of Christians are like that black horse. They're like, God, if it's easy and slow, I'm fine. But if you turn the heat up, I'm bailing. I'm going to do my own thing and protect myself because I don't want to put out the effort or I don't want to live in surrender. The, the beauty of Jesus is that he keeps pursuing us. And he's pursuing you today. I've been thinking a lot lately about how Christ is sufficient for our every need. That no matter what you and I are going through, that Jesus Christ is really sufficient for everything we ever face in life. I've been dwelling on some verses in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. We'll throw them up here on the screen, I think, because I do not have a clicker. Yeah, aren't those beautiful? <laughs> this is from the all-black version of the Bible. I don't know. I, okay, oh, they're up here. Great, perfect. Therefore, it was necessary for him, the him there is Jesus, to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. You and I need a merciful and faithful high priest. We can't save ourselves. We've done all the sinning. Christ does all the saving. And we need someone who can reconcile us to a holy God. God cannot look at you and your sin and say, yeah, with you, you're not as bad as your spouse, or you're not as bad as your neighbor. I'll grade on a curve. I guess I'll accept you. God can't violate his character. God is perfectly holy. He has never sinned. He's never thought of sinning. And you and I need somebody or someone to help us be made right with a holy God. And so God sent his son, born of a virgin, to be and lived a sinless life and become our merciful and faithful high priest. We'll go on now uh, with these verses. Maybe. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. You and I can come boldly to the throne of God 
Not because of any of our goodness, but because of Christ. And what happens when we come to the throne of our gracious God? There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I do believe those verses are the last verses I was going to close with, but that's okay. They're basically a repreat of the, of the verses I was going to use from Hebrews chapter 2. But would you think with me this morning about the sufficiency of Jesus? How many of you have been rejected? Don't raise your hand. How many of you have been rejected by a family member? It's just awkward. Maybe some of you have been rejected by a former spouse. Some of you might be rejected by a current spouse. Maybe your parents have rejected you. Maybe you're here and some of your kids have rejected you. All of us face family rejection from our family of origin on some level usually. I want you to know that Jesus is sufficient for that need. Jesus as our merciful and faithful high priest gets what it's like to have family reject him. His own brothers, it says, in John chapter 7 and verse 5, rejected him. You're not the Messiah. And in his humanity, Jesus Christ is sufficient for when you and I face the incredible pain of family rejection. In my book, I write about, and my, my, my mother was a well-known author and speaker and an awesome woman. But I was the last of eight kids, and I grew up hearing, you were just a mistake. We never planned on having you. And I wasn't planned by my parents. My mother had a real hard time ever bonding with me. And I really struggled with that. And I had to learn that while my mom might not have planned me, God did, right? And that God had a plan and a purpose. And as my mom and I eventually worked through that and there was reconciliation, I discovered that I could either demand that my mom not be a sinner and not have made mistakes with me, or I could find in the person and work of Jesus his sufficiency for my heartbreak over that relationship. And there's a beauty to that. How many of you have been rejected by religious or church authorities? They've just done wrong or made decisions that hurt you. Anyone? Almost all of us, if we are in the church for very long, experience pain from church leaders who just mess up. They're just flawed, and they make bad decisions sometimes, or decisions that from their perspective are good, but hurt us. And you and I, as, as a part of being a, a healthy Christian in, in a uh, and learning how to thrive in a local church is to recognize that other people and other Christians, especially those in authority, aren't always going to be perfect. They're going to blow it at times and make mistakes. And we live in a culture that demands perfection from religious authorities while we can uh, give ourselves uh, uh, breaks. But the reality is, is that Jesus gets what it's like to deal with religious authorities who are messed up. One of the primary motivations for Jesus being crucified is religious authorities. Jewish authorities were like, crucify him, 
For we have no king but Caesar. And in his humanity, I want you to know that if you are here and you have church wounds from religious authorities in your life, I want you to know that Jesus, on a very human and heart level, gets that. He knows what it's like. Have you had or experienced rejection when you've done the right thing? <laughs> like, you're trying to do the right thing, and people misunderstand it, and it wasn't according to their rule system or their perspective, and so they get mad at you. Happens all the time if you're trying in life, right? A spouse, you're trying to do the right thing, and they're like, well, you didn't do this. Or, or, or you're trying to do the, you're busting your butt, parental units, for your teenagers. You're doing the right thing for them, and they're just ripping you or giving you the silent treatment. Or, or maybe you're a teenager in here today, and you're trying to do the right thing, and your parents are so broken and wounded, they just keep accusing you of not. I don't know your human experience, but I do know that Jesus gets that. For just one example of his life, remember it's the Sabbath day, and he sees a man with a deformed hand. And he speaks his name, and he heals that man with a deformed hand. He did the right thing on a Sabbath day to bring glory to God. And what were the religious authorities' response? Let's kill him. Let's kill Jesus. He's working on the Sabbath. We have rules. You should never heal anybody. Instead of being excited for a man finding a whole new life, they condemned him for doing the right thing. My friends, have you experienced the legalism in a, in a place or a local church that causes you rejection even though you're doing the right thing? Have you ever had rejection by friends or coworkers? You are, you're, we're part of the, 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 the workforce and all of a sudden your coworkers turn on you. Or you're, you have friends and you think you're tight and all of a sudden you're not in the circle anymore. Again, Jesus is sufficient for that need. His circle of friends all leave him before the cross. Peter's like, I'll never deny you. And then he denies him three times. Jesus in his humanity gets you. He understands that it can be really hard when people who you love and trust reject you and turn on you. Are any of you experiencing rejection by a place you love? You, you have a, a, a hometown that's just really special to you, and you go back and people are like, eh, whatever. You stepped into this ocean, and when you stepped out, it went right back, and now it's just going on. Jesus cried out for Nazareth and Jerusalem where he was raised. Are you not wanting to go through horrible trials? Some of you are facing some really tough things. And if you're human and you're here today, you're facing an aging process that's going to be really long and hard for most of us. And there is a fear of that, isn't there? Some of you are facing really tough things, an, an impending divorce or an in, impending uh, uh, loss of someone, 
and you just don't want to face it. You're like, God, change my circumstances, and yet you know in the very nature of the, of the reality of most of life that this hard thing is coming. Di and I are getting a little older, and we live on the road, and we've used our bodies really hard in athletics and stuff, and our bodies are starting to wear out, and we're like, whew, I don't know, this aging deal, God, can you, can you give me some super pill? God, can you do some miracle so that I don't face these, this, this tough time? And yet that's not the nature of living in a world for most of us. And, and I think of Jesus being sufficient for those needs when, when before his cross, remember Jesus said, please, Jesus, please, God, take this cup of suffering away from me. Nevertheless, I want your will, not mine, be done. Jesus in his humanity saw that a bad time was coming. And he's like, God, if possible, take it. I don't want to go through it. Jesus gets you. Jesus understands and is sufficient for you who are facing upcoming trials. The beauty, again, of of learning the sufficiency of Jesus is that we grow in our understanding of, God, I, I can't demand grace for this upcoming trial. You and I can't, it doesn't work that way. God, we can't demand grace for saying, God, I need grace today for for the aging process in 20 years. God, I need grace today for that surgery in a month. God doesn't give you grace in advance. He gives it daily. Part of the mysterious outworking of God is that you and I have to learn to depend on God's grace every day and not Live our lives demanding that he give us grace in the future. We want to store it up, and we want grace for today, and we have to get to the point of living like Jesus. God, if possible, take it from me. Take this horrible trial from me, but nevertheless, I want your will, not mine. And true surrender to learning to accept the sovereign hand of God in suffering in our life allows you and I to not have to live addicted to some substance because we're living in fear of the future of a future trial. You and I don't have to keep turning to porn or, or to some illicit drug or shopping or whatever it is because in the root of us, We're saying, God, you're not sufficient for this day because I want grace for the future. Much of addiction is learning to grow in accepting that grace is only for today. And Jesus gets that. Have you ever felt abandoned by God? At one point, you were walking with God and it was beautiful and real. And now... It's kind of going through the motions. You open your Bible and it's black words on white paper or red words on white paper, and it's just words. And you, if you are able to be honest, you're like, God, I feel like you left me. Do you know that Jesus in his humanity gets that? And while there's a mystery to all this, you remember Jesus? Eli, Eloi, Lima Sebekthani, my God, my God, why hast thou abandoned me? 
Jesus on the cross felt abandoned by God. It, we know uh, post-cross that he had to do this and it had to be done this way so that you and I could be, be bought and paid for by the sinless blood of Jesus. But in his humanity, Jesus, my God, my God, why hast thou abandoned me? And if you're in a season of doubt, if you're in a season where it's just not as real I want you to know that Jesus in his humanity is sufficient because he wasn't just human, he was God. And in him we find an ability to say, God, my feelings say you're not here. But I'm not going to worship my feelings and my feelings are not God. you, God, and you haven't abandoned me. And I submit and obey even though my circumstances and feelings are saying run or question. Are any of you poor? <laughs> Finances tight? Looking to the future? Wondering how it's all going to work out? Looking at your dwindling retirement account and thinking, boy, I don't know how this is ever going to work out? Do you know that the Lord Jesus as it says in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, became poor so that we could be rich. And I don't mean believe that means monetarily necessarily. The foxes have their dens, Jesus said. The birds have their nests, but I have no place to lay my head in Matthew 8, 20. Jesus gets what it's like to have to rely on others. Are you tired today? Are you just exhausted? Tired of the constant drama in our world and constant conflict? Physically just, and, and emotionally and spiritually so wore out that you're physically just like going through the motions. You're just tired. You know that Jesus gets that? I love that our Lord took and had to take a nap on a boat. I love that Jesus wearily sat down at this well outside of Samaria. Jesus gets what it's like to be tired. Are you beginning to see that no matter what you're facing, the Lord Jesus is sufficient for your need? Are you struggling with physical pain today? You just hurt. Every physical pain has been experienced by Jesus. Got a headache? Live in constant headaches? Migraines? Jesus, when they press that crown of thorns on his head, knows what it's like to have headaches. You have a backache? His back hurt after they'd whipped him 39 times and then he had to carry a cross for a while till he couldn't carry it anymore. Hands hurt? He had nails through his. No matter what your physical pain is, Jesus experienced it at the cross of Calvary. And therefore we can say, Jesus, you get me. You know what this is like. And I'm tired. I'm wore out. I don't know that I can keep going. And this physical pain is screwing my life up. Please help me. And Jesus is sufficient for whatever physical pain you're struggling with. You're struggling with trauma due to 
sins done against you? Has someone sinned against you and violated you? I want you to know that Jesus gets that. Have you been sexually defrauded or abused? Biblical scholars say that for a Jewish man to hang naked on a cross was on many levels a form of sexual abuse in that culture. We might find out later, I don't know, but some of the horrific sexual things done to Jesus in the crucifixion process. And I want you to know that if you've been violated sexually in any shape or form, that Jesus knows what it's like. And that Jesus can be sufficient for that horrible pain in your life. As he hung naked on a cross with people able to observe him, with his own mother having to come up as an adult male, the shame and the sickness of that, we find in Christ a sufficiency for no matter what our violations have been. Are any of you single in our here today? And you're lonely? And you're wondering, man, This ain't, can't be all that life's all about. Jesus was single. And in his humanity, he can help you in your singleness. Are any of you married today? And it's hard? (laughs) Jesus gets marriage too because the Bible teaches that you and I as the the church are are his bride and we're messed up. Can you imagine learning to love us? We're messed up. Are you struggling in your marriage? Jesus is sufficient to help you sort through. If you're single or married, Jesus is sufficient. Are you lonely today? Jesus gets what it's like to be lonely. Now we'll go back to that Hebrews 4 verses. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all, all of the same testings we do. I have not said every testing we've went through today. I've tried to get a, give a generalized list, but God's word says he faced all of the same testings we do. There's not a thing that humans can experience that Jesus hasn't went through. But he did not sin. (laughs) You and I, we sin, don't we? But Jesus never sinned. And because of that, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Do you need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ today? Think about this morning some of those things we, we, we mentioned. And Lord, I need grace for my physical pain, or I need grace for that trauma done against me. I need grace for my fear of the future and my demands of grace for it. And I have to accept only your grace for today. 
That black horse that I just hauled back to my brother's ranch in Wyoming on Tuesday. I had to take I, I gave him the best care. I wanted the best for him, but that horse had a choice to make. Is he going to surrender to me and experience being a partner with me? Or is he still just going to reserve a portion of his life that if he didn't like it, I'm going to show that I'm still my own horse? Some of you are miserable because you're that way. You're, you're the black horse. Jesus, you're not sufficient for that part of my, uh, my life. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to be my own savior, and I'm going to rebel against you because I know. How's that working out for you in love? How's that working out for you? There's no long-term joy there. There's no long-term peace. There's a lack of perseverance, and there's a lack of power. In submission, in submission is power to the person and work of Jesus, who in his humanity understands us, but in his God, being God, empowers us to grow up and out of all the junk and all the rejection, both from our own sin that we've done ourselves and the sins done to us. Don't be like that black horse. Last night, I, I'm getting ready to pick up bucking horses all this week at a rodeo Bible camp over in Mason City. I got this other horse, a red roan horse. I call him D.W. He likes to buck. He likes to be his own guy. He's uber talented, and he knows it. The difference between that black horse and my red roan horse, D.W., though, is D.W. is willing to say, Scott, you're my leader. I trust you. Last night I unloaded him at the rodeo grounds there in Mason City and I crawled on my other horse and I was leading ODW and he blowed in two. He was just feeling so good, he just bucked. I was glad I wasn't on him. And I took my lead rope and I said, DW, cut it out. And I bopped him on the no with, the, with the, the weight of the halter rope. And he was like, oh, oh yeah. I can't just do my own thing. Scott's my leader. And he submitted. As I watched DW then just time himself up with my horse that I was loping and be in surrender and be a partner with me, I thought, man, I, God, I want to be like DW. I'm going to have my moments, but I want to hear your voice. Don't, don't ignore the voice of God today from some weird cowboy traveling preacher that showed up and is speaking and is different from Eric. Don't ignore the voice of God through God calling me and speaking through me. I'm nothing. I'm just the vehicle. Be like D.W. who was like, oh, okay. Okay, Scott, you said no, okay. Father, thank you for speaking to our lives and 
Lord, and you always use the physical to teach the spiritual, and, and you, you use a physical horse to teach us things, and we don't want to be like that black horse and just reserve all kinds of space in our life to do our own thing and then experience the incredible loneliness and pain of that. Lord, we want to live in submission so that we can find you, Jesus, sufficient for our every need. You're our authority. And surrender to you and submission to you brings life and peace. So, Lord, we choose as an act of worship in the power of the Holy Spirit right now that wherever we're at, we say, Jesus, I don't get it all, but you get me. And so I submit and I surrender to you. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.